by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. My name is John Betts, and I'm a senior aluminum reporter here at Argus. And in this episode, we're joined by Peter Goddard, CEO and co-founder of Boston-based startup Found Energy, and uh, Gaddy Ruchin, the chief business officer. And today we're going to be going over a little discussed application for aluminum scrap, which has an exciting intersection with uh, energy markets. So uh, welcome, uh, Peter and Gaddy. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of start off with some of the basics, but um, in the markets I cover, I mean, for the most part, aluminum goes to two places. It goes to either back to a remelter, which turns it into metal again, or sadly, despite everybody's best efforts, a landfill. But this is kind of a, a different use that I've, I've heard of this before vaguely, but I think a lot of listeners probably won't be familiar with uh, what you're doing with it. So um, if you can kind of describe the process, um, what you're what you're doing with this, and then I guess also uh, both of your, your backgrounds a little bit as well, kind of. Sounds good. So, you know, as most of your listeners probably know, aluminum is one of the more energy intensive materials to make. Uh, it stores about eight and a half megawatt hours per ton. Um, and all of this energy goes in during the smelting process, mostly as electricity, uh, some heat as well. Uh, and when you end up throwing away aluminum and it ends up in a landfill or gets exported and ends up in a landfill somewhere else, uh, all of that energy is basically going to waste. And what we've done is we've developed a process for extracting that energy uh, at the end of its life. Uh, and we do it in an interesting way. We oxidize it, so it's, you, know, you can think of it as like burning, but instead of oxygen, we use water and that conveniently splits water, produces hydrogen gas and direct thermal energy. So all of that eight and a half uh, megawatt hours per, per ton is released in some combination of heat and hydrogen gas. Um, and it's convenient because at the same time that you know, we're throwing away lots of aluminum, people are actually looking for hydrogen gas. It turns out that it's very difficult to produce and transport, um, especially when you're not getting the hydrogen from methane, which is how we currently get all of our hydrogen. Uh, but if you wanted to use an electrolyzer, say using solar energy or, or wind energy, uh, then you know in most cases you'll have to compress it or liquefy it and, and ship it somewhere else. And that's very expensive, very dangerous, and, and it's not very energy dense way of, of storing energy. Uh, and so aluminum is amazing because, you know, if you look at all the hydrogen you get from this aluminum water reaction, this oxidation reaction, it, you're basically storing hydrogen at double the weight percent of gaseous hydrogen. And if you look at it on a per volume basis, it's anywhere between five and 10 times the volumetric energy density of even liquid hydrogen. So you, we have these two problems. You know, one, aluminum is being landfilled because the alloy content is not known or, or a variety of other reasons contaminated with, with non-aluminum materials. Uh, and on the other hand, people are looking for hydrogen. And a lot of places, those problems are happening at the exact same time and the exact same place. And so we've just basically figured out how to connect those dots where we can use this aluminum that's low value to the aluminum industry and produce hydrogen, which is really high value to folks that are looking for green hydrogen. And in you know, a very interesting sliver is sort of where we're starting with this is that turns out folks in the aluminum industry are interested in hydrogen to replace methane and some yeah. of the other fossil fuels they're using for recycling and smelting and whatnot. Very, very interesting. And uh, 
One uh, a sort of a nerdy question that I have is I think of, you know, I, I cover scrap all the time. I cover scrap literally every day during the work week. And uh, can you um, can you talk about the kind of scrap you're using? Because one of the things that I thought was interesting is, is how you guys are, you know, really doing the sustainable thing and, and targeting grades that are not already easily recyclable, like through, um, you know, remelting and smelting um, and, you know, kind of in that wrapped in that question, I was also curious, I mean, how does it affect, um, you know, the, the use of scrap in your process if like something's painted or it has something on the surface and you know, that's kind of in the weeds, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a great question. Um, and, you know, the focus of this work since the beginning has been to be able to take large pieces of aluminum, period. It doesn't matter the, the surface contamination, any coatings, uh, any alloying elements, we wanted to figure out a process that would allow you to just consume the aluminum um, via this uh, oxidation reaction. Uh, and so when we first started, we were looking at very pure aluminum. And the first innovation was figuring out, okay, how do we do this with large pieces? Um, the aluminum water reaction is, is quite slow, actually. If you have a large piece of aluminum, you have low surface area, it would actually take a very long time for this reaction to naturally occur. Um, you know, you, if, if you imagine, you know, this process effectively being rusting, you know, we know aluminum is not a material that really rusts. Uh, and so we had to figure out how to get around these oxide layers that form that make aluminum really resistant to rusting. Uh, right. And we figured out initially how to do this with just large pieces. So we got around the surface area issue by, we, we came up with a, a, a particular catalyst, which uh, causes the aluminum to disintegrate. And when you apply this catalyst and then expose it to water, you end up, even if you started with a large piece of aluminum, you end up getting these really tiny fragments of aluminum, that huge amount of surface area where there's no oxygen present, that can all react. And the beautiful thing about this process is that with some modification, we were able to figure out how to do this, even with surface contamination, even with coatings, and even with alloying elements. Um, and we ended up turning this catalytic process into something that just eats aluminum wherever it's found in these bulk materials and pretty much leaves everything else unaffected. Which that's uh, that's notable because in one of the things that the aluminum industry struggles with, the secondary and recycling side of it is what to do with the really dirty, painted, contaminated scrap because that really is where yes. you're making the most difference in, in conserving materials and keeping stuff out of landfills, but it also creates lots of byproducts uh, like dioxins when you remelt it, but this is kind of different, though. That's not exactly something you have to worry about, right? No, no, we, we, we fully agree. And this actually also connects us to a very important uh, point. We are, we are not just a, the traditional energy company. We are a clean energy company. And we are here, of course, to, to support with the transition to renewable energy. So we are very focused on using only scraps, which will naturally or will not be uh, recycled, which means that we are actually going to the lowest grade, and this is our focus. We will not be taking uh, UBC, for example, which is already very highly uh, recycled. We will take just whatever is not recycled, which will normally either be landfilled or uh, exported, as Peter mentioned before. And this is where we fo uh, um, focus our sourcing uh, efforts. We are actually going even to the lowest types, which are just irrecyclable. And we are doing it together with the different recyclers uh, in the industry. We would normally not just be buying uh, uh, aluminum by ourselves, but we'll work with recyclers. We will take whatever they don't, whatever not gets into their process. Now, of course, essentially the big 
a promise of aluminum is that it can be used also for energy transportation, which means that you can actually also smelt aluminum as fuel. So we start with just making the aluminum industry more efficient, uh, take whatever is not recycled today, run our uh, process, turning it into energy. And then, uh, of course, the aluminum space might be get a center a place on stage also for the renewable energy transition because you can actually smelt aluminum in specific places in the world where energy is much more renewable energy is much more available and extract this energy in a surprisingly effective uh, uh, energy door to door efficiency where energy is not that uh, uh, renewable energy is not that available so it's it's a it's a step by step uh, process but yes, we are very focused on whatever is not being recycled already. I think that the being able to kind of produce hydrogen from this wherever you want to start the reaction is probably pretty useful because, like you said, you don't have to transport it. I think that there's, you know, for better or for worse, there's a big stigma around hydrogen because people people think of, you know, uh, how how volatile and dangerous it can be. So it's probably an incredible selling points to just be able to make it there and not have to yeah move, move it around and, and worry about what will happen in transit you know yeah i mean aluminum is functionally inert until we apply our process to it um it's why it's actually why it's been very difficult for people to do this in the past uh it took a long time to figure out just how to make it not so inert sure and the other uh, part that we haven't really touched on yet that I also found interesting is the just the, the waste products from the process, the uh, aluminum hydroxide, I believe. Yes. Um, that's, a, that's a neat little uh, bonus right. as well. Right, right, right. So, you know, this is really playing into the, the circularity aspect that Gotti's talking to, making the aluminum industry more efficient. Um, not only are we extracting energy from the lowest quality aluminum that's that's not really recyclable we're turning it into something that is actually useful for the aluminum industry which is high quality aluminum hydroxides uh you know of course aluminum hydroxide is one of the primary primary ingredients in bauxite so we're basically making just pure bauxite we're making what comes out of the bayer process um aluminum hydroxides and that will then you know, can be calcined into alumina and then fed back into the aluminum smelters. Um, so we're just sort of reinserting a very pure material uh, into the aluminum value chain. And what's also interesting about this is that because we're getting it from non-recycled aluminum, we're actually one of the only non-mined sources of this material, aluminum hydroxide. And so uh, smelters will be able to claim carbon credits associated with the mining of bauxite that was, you know, shipped to their facilities to produce alumina for their smelting. Right. Yeah, there's no there's no red mud in this in this part of the process. There's no no nasty exactly. byproduct. There's only exactly. so much scrap in the world, but there still is so much scrap that is sitting in landfills or or is uh, otherwise unusable. Um so uh, that's that's pretty exciting to be able to really reach down far into the value chain because that's that's really the the theme for you know, smelters around the world now and increasing the, the sustainability proposition. I mean, companies like Hydro and Century have um, EcoMelt, people like that, where they're they're taking they're taking things and that are you know considered contaminated and dirty and allowing people to get closer and closer to to, to using them like primary aluminum units. 
Yeah, no, um, actually we, we are experiencing this exact uh, point also ourselves, which means that uh, we didn't touch our background a little bit, but uh, Peter has a very interesting background by himself, but I'm also coming with a lot of uh, uh, B2B, which I guess that he will share, by the way. But uh, I also have a very uh, a lot of background in B2B and, and how to help very, I would say, conservative industries uh, transform to new technologies. And I have to say that we have actually found an industry which is extremely interested in decarbonization, which means that we are bouching into open doors. We don't need to convince anyone that uh, moving from a coal makes sense. They, they don't always have the possibilities, but uh, they are definitely are interested to, to explore the possibilities. We are, very, we are experiencing unbelievable cooperation from the industry and a lot of will to improve processes, to improve recycling, and of course, to decarbonize their activities. So I fully agree with you. They are, they are definitely going in that direction. Yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of blasted past uh, both of your backgrounds there in the beginning. I just got so excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, just kind of briefly, I mean, what what is your, what is both of your sort of introductions to metal? Where did that start? Yeah, so, um, you know, you said the word blast, no, no pun intended here, but I, I, <laughs> Started my career actually working for NASA um, as a space roboticist at the Jet Propulsion Lab. And while I was there, I was working on a number of robotics projects, but I, I actually started getting involved in energy systems. And we were looking at sending um, landers to different moons of, of different planets like Europa, and uh, which is a moon of Jupiter, and Enceladus, which is a moon of Saturn. And these moons are water ice, and you know they're likely candidates for harboring life. That, that's another story. Um, but one of the interesting problems we had to solve was uh, basically non-nuclear and non-lithium-based power systems for these landers. Lithium, not quite energy dense enough. Nuclear was too expensive for the, this class of lander. And what I realized while I was doing this is that there's actually a, a lot of energy embodied in just the materials of these landers themselves. And aluminum is what we make most of our spacecraft out of and there's all this energy in aluminum and I sort of put those dots together uh, and started developing these structural aluminum fuel components and the idea was that you could send these landers up to Europa you could, if you could get that aluminum to react with the water ice that's there you could actually produce hydrogen on the surface of Europa and so I sort of came up with this concept of self-cannibalizing robots where they could consume yeah, which is incredible, no incredible idea for like a one-way trip, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, this is sort of what's happening. Uh, this is what I realized is that this is actually sort of happening on Earth where you have these one-way trips of these energy carriers to landfills. And if only we <laughs> extract that energy, you know, we could power all these other things. So th this is actually where the concept of found energy first came which is that, you know, there's a lot of energy where people don't think to look. And if you can just extract that energy, you can do some really cool things. So I ended up leaving the Jet Propulsion Lab after I realized this to go to MIT to do a PhD to basically take this technology that I've been working on and turn it into something that would actually make sense for uh, a commercial like commodity scale product. That's that's a that's a that's a pretty good background. It's pretty hard to compete with uh, <laughs> with NASA on the resume. Uh. <laughs> Very neat. Uh, and I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but I guess to kind of to kind of close it out, we wrote up a short piece about what you guys have been doing lately. Uh, but 
I guess for the listeners, if you could kind of talk about what part of the process you're at right now and, and what you're aiming to do over the rest of the year, your, your next reactor. Sure. So our uh, amazing engineering team is working uh, very hard on affecting our uh, current reactor, which is in the a kilowatt scale, producing a, a very high amounts of, of course, uh, both steam in or, or heat in form of steam, as well as a lot of hydrogen. But now we are preparing for the next stage, which is going and, and working with some of our potential uh, pilot partners, which, as mentioned, the aluminum industry is very much uh, open uh, uh, to exploring these possibilities. And we are now developing our uh, megawatt scale reactor, which will already be the MVP. It will consume aluminum scrap, which we will source around and demonstrate the production of large, of high power, clean energy production. Again, either for uh, aluminum refining, uh, aluminum smelting, or anything in between. Of course, recyclers are also a very big partner of ours. So it's going to be a very exciting year. We are very uh, excited and looking forward already to moving out of the lab, of our lab, of course, uh, and out into the field and start producing energy, which will actually be used by, by the industry. So very, very exciting times uh, ahead of us uh, this year, and we look forward to it. Great. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe later this year or, or sometime early next year, we can have you back and, and get an update on, on how things have been going. Sounds great. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, th- thank you for being on. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tune into our other episodes to learn more about the metals market. And for more information about what Found is doing, uh, please go to found.energy. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for having us.